Thank you. Hmm. You know, it's ironic how some of these things work. Uh, Rob was very nice enough to uh, let some of our in-laws use his house. Our in-laws are from uh, Ohio and a very similar part of Ohio as to where Rob is. So they said, oh, where, where's the owner of this house? Surprise, he's outside of Canton right now. So, um, yeah, I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. This is the crew of folks that has recovered from the turkey coma, so good job. Uh, one of the highlights really of the Thanksgiving holiday for me was doing the Thanksgiving baskets with y'all on the Sunday before. 75 baskets. I really enjoyed uh, going with a couple of our youth group members uh-huh, uh, to hand out the baskets. It was just really, it was fun, right, Ethan? Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why you're in church, is because you get to do things like knock on people's doors and give them baskets of food. We got to pray for one person, and it's just, yeah, a really good time. Uh, 75 baskets. I was at a meeting on Sunday night uh, afterwards of Hopkinton area churches who get together to talk about um, service and how we're serving the community. And uh, they, they asked how our Thanksgiving basket giveaway was and how many baskets we did. And I said... And we did 75, and people's jaws like, wow, really? And uh, one, one woman asked, well, how did you deliver all of them? I said, you know, people loaded them up into the cars and, you know, dropped a couple off on their way home. She's like, and that's not too big a burden on your people? They're willing to do that? Yeah, so it was really awesome to do that together with y'all. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thanksgiving Day was actually our wedding anniversary which when you celebrate your anniversary with all your in-laws, it is not romantic. <laughs> but Thanksgiving was actually the first holiday that we spent together when we were dating. It will forever go down in history as a, uh, the holiday where I might have been vaguely involved in an incident that ended up knocking out his front tooth. <laughs> and the really sad thing was it happened before the meal. So he just cut up his food into nice little pieces, you know, chew on the sides. But he handled it so well. He was so calm and wanted to make sure that I did not feel bad. And it wasn't even a bait and switch. He has been that nice to me ever since. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my husband. Um, but also uh, really, really thankful for this church. We've been here for four months now, um, and you guys have just been the best to us. From moving into Westboro three and a half months ago, I mean, that truck was just emptied. Boom, it just went so fast. Um, people have been so helpful. Um, like, every nice thing my dog has is from Susan. Um, people have just welcomed us in, um, and it's been really wonderful to do ministry together with you. I wrote an email uh, a couple days ago, and um, I said to this group of folks that I think anyone who goes into church ministry, all you want when you go to work at a church is just for a good group of people to do ministry together with. And as I looked at the recipients on this email list, I said, this is a great group of people to do ministry together with. So I'm very, very thankful for this church and for our first four months here. Anyways, um, 
Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving, but it's also the start of the Christmas season. So I want to talk this morning a little bit about how do we have a Jesus-centered Christmas. Not just because it's Christmas and it's commemorating his birth, so we should be all spiritual, but because we believe that being Jesus-centered makes things better. And we want to be Jesus-centered in every season and every week. And Christmas is a time that really challenges us with all, all the busyness and everything that's going on. It challenges us to really stay focused on the things that matter. We're in this series uh, right now called uh, Guardrails. What are the boundaries, the guardrails that God has given us to help us stay on track? And I want to talk about this morning some guardrails for our relationship with Jesus, especially in the midst of, of busyness and uh, stress. How do we really stay in tune with God in the midst of, of just lists of things to do? How do we have a spiritually satisfying Christmas? not just a holiday cultural observance. I spent three Christmases in Northwest China, and you'll see like a little bit of decoration or whatever, Santa hats, because American culture is permeating everywhere. But it's basically a day just like any other. I think I worked every Christmas. Some of you here, you're away from uh, family and friends. Maybe your family is in uh, another country. A lot of the traditions around Christmas are really centered around family and can be hard. But those three Christmases in China were the most spiritual Christmases I'd had because it was actually all about Jesus. Now, we can't move countries to make Christmas more spiritual. Uh, how can we encounter God's presence here? in the midst of, of busyness and baggage, in the midst of stress, expectations, disappointment, family, finances. Our scripture uh, passage this morning is from Colossians, and it says, Whatever you do, whether in word or in action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What would it look like to do Christmas shopping? With Jesus? What would it look like to do holiday parties for Jesus? To cook, drive, work, clean in the name of Jesus? This is something I've been working through in my own spiritual life. I have a, a spiritual director, which is kind of like a spiritual mentor. And uh, their role is to help you discern what God's doing in your life. And we were talking about this in one of our recent sessions. And uh, I won't tell you everything that we talk about in spiritual direction. Like, we're close, but we're not that close. Uh, but we were talking about how do I really, in the midst of multiple jobs and lots going on, really stay in tune with the Spirit of God throughout the day? Because I can set my alarm earlier and earlier, spend more time, you know, set apart with Jesus, reading my Bible, praying, journaling, and that's great. I need that. I need that to um, spend time with God, to, to focus on him, to orient myself. But there's a long time in between 6.30 in the morning and 6.30 at night. A lot of life happens in between there. And how do I stay present to what the Spirit of God is doing throughout the day. 
one Christian writer said that the spirit of God, the presence of God, is infinite everywhere, always and forever. He's God. The presence of God is the only place where we can be. If God does not seem present, it is not it is we who are not present to the presence of God. Whatever we do, whether in word or in action, we want to do it all with Jesus and for Jesus. So would you pray with me as we turn our attention to scripture this morning? Jesus, we thank you that as we start to look forward to December and to the things that we have going on this season, that you are present, you are active, you are involved, and there's no part of our life that you do not want to bless and be present in. So as we turn to scripture this morning, Holy Spirit, we give our hearts and our minds to you. Would you speak to us in Jesus' name? Amen. So this morning we're going to be in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, and then 12 through 17. Colossians 3 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So our passage starts out, Paul just kind of throws this out there like we all know it, since, we, since this, this thing, we all know, we have been raised with Christ. It's just kind of thrown out there. Since we've been raised with Christ, this is good news. This is starting with like the headlines. Since we've been raised with Christ. Since Jesus died, since he took the guilt, the shame, the mistakes, the injustice, the evil, and since he defeated that and rose to give us new life, to give us resurrection life, to give us hope and a future, since we've been raised with Christ, now we can go on. 
the hard part's already been accomplished for us. Jesus gives us this new life, and it's all gift. It's all grace. We freely receive from God what we don't deserve and what we can't earn. The way of our culture is deserving and earning. It's accomplishing, striving, competing, performing. And the holidays are equally about accomplishing, striving, competing, and performing. I have a dear friend who said last Christmas, you know, Christmas is just, it's all about finding the perfect present for all your family and friends. I'm like, I'll be lucky if I find a semi-perfect gift for one person. And we can get on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we, we get all these really inflated ideas of what the holiday should be, your Pinterest-perfect holiday. Uh, these cupcakes came across my Pinterest feed. <laughs> you know, you just put some icing, you know, loop it around, then you bake a cookie, cut it out in the right shape. Like, I would be impressed with myself if I could make one of these for Christmas. Um, we have these uh, strawberry Santa Clauses. I think these are adorable. I would love to make them. And Pinterest says that I should just be able to make them for my whole Christmas party. Just, you know, whip up 60 or 70, and uh, everyone can have some, and they'll be the hit of the party. There's just so much pressure to have the perfect holiday, to buy all the gifts for the kids. And I mean, people are going into credit card debt around the holidays to accomplish the cooking to, to clean everything, uh, to outperform um, the shopping. But the Christian faith is really the opposite. In the kingdom of God, we're not achievers. We're receivers. We live in the reality of who Jesus is, of what he's done for us, of the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection for us, and we receive it. We can't make up anything this good ourselves. You have been raised with Christ, you died with Christ, and your life is now hidden with God in Christ. As we enter this posture of, of receiving, it says uh, in verse 2, set your minds on things above. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. This holiday season, how do we set our mind on God? How do we keep our heart on the things of God? The Christian writer Evelyn Underhill, she's been helpful to me in this. She says, two things are needed for the soul to center on God. One, cultivate a sense of the splendor of God, and two, care for and evaluate your soul. And I've really found this to be true. When I felt out of touch spiritually, uh, to just step back, to, to praise and worship, to, to put God back on his throne, to put myself back in my proper context, to see what's going on in my heart and my mind. There are no magic bullets in the spiritual life, but this has worked very well for me. I think there are many times 
when I would say, like, my mind is set on my to-do list and my heart is set I don't know where. So this is helpful to me. Looking at the first way we set our hearts and minds on things above, cultivating a sense of the greatness of God. I think of praise or worship as our doorway to God. The first thing we do when we approach God is we actually like approach God. God, who he is. He's big, he's kind, he's the creator. He's all loving. We worship because it's the only way that little messy you and me can actually come before the God who created the universe and who judges kingdoms. It's the only way that I can, with my, my worries and my, my brokenness, come before the one who speaks and the heaven shakes, come before the one who will one day roll up the universe like a scroll. Worship is like the only safe way for me to actually approach God. But when I worship, worship is the door that opens who God is. It leads me out of my self-occupation and into knowledge of God. Praise increases our recognition of who God is, and it looses the the grasp and then the tug on on our minds of, of the things, just all the things going on. Praise is cultivating a sense of God's God's splendor. It's admiring God. It's acknowledging the mystery of God. It's looking at God with adoration and humbleness. Worship liberates the seed of the supernatural life inside of us. That's why we spend so much time worshiping here at the vineyard. There are many ways to worship. But singing is is one of the ways that we've found particularly effective. And we repeat these songs, we repeat these lyrics, because we want to marinate ourselves in the truth and the reality of who God is, to remind ourselves again and again amidst the clamor of all the things speaking contrary to us, remind ourselves who God is, how much he loves us. The Christian tradition has always had meditation, as a part of of our tradition. And worship is just meditation set to music. So we we remind ourselves of who God is. And then the second thing we need, if we're going to set our hearts and minds on God, is to have some idea of where our hearts and our minds are. Now, I'm not particularly good at this, naturally. I'm an extrovert. I'm very focused on external things. When I first started meeting with a spiritual director, so she would ask me, so how are you doing? I'd say, good. Next question. (laughs) Well, like, you know, how's, how's your heart and soul? How's your relationship with God? Mm, Good. It's fine. I mean, it was a long hour session. I just, I had no idea. I'm so externally uh, focused that this was a tough question for me. Our culture promotes outward success over inward health, and it's particularly accentuated at the holidays. 
especially at Christmas, we can just stuff all our emotions down, deep down, and just be like, I'm fine, I'm fine, everything is fine. That's a real picture, by the way, it's not photoshopped at all. But we're supposed to have this like wonderful holiday, like every holiday is supposed to be better than the one before. And so instead of being honest about how we're doing, instead of uh, spending time examining what's going on in our hearts and our minds, we put up uh, uh, this happy exterior. And we're not able to really tell what God is doing in our life. Caring for and evaluating the state of our inner lives isn't, it's not a complex uh, psychological process. It means saying, honestly, how am I doing? What has brought me joy today? What has brought me sadness? How is God shaping me? It means saying, honestly, how am I doing and why? As people of faith, we want to do this in the context of prayer, welcoming in the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Uh, in the bulletin insert, I've included something called examine. It comes out of the monastic tradition. And I've found examine to be a helpful way to examine what God has done in me throughout my day. We can't ourselves experience the presence of God if we can't be ourselves. Self-knowledge is a crucial part of the Christian walk. We have to know what's going on inside of ourselves to know what God is doing inside of us. The next way I think we can experience the presence of God this December is by creating boundaries and making space means being intentional about the voices and influences we are letting in and limiting the messages that aren't godly. What voices do you struggle with? Maybe it's uh, consumerism, spending, finances. You might need to be intentional about uh, limiting the, the messages, advertising. Maybe it's... Uh, perfectionism. You struggle with, with those voices. Maybe you need to get off Pinterest. Maybe it's relationships, gossip, things that just really turn you to, to envy. Um, this is a little bit like the flip side of worship. Worship helps us to focus on the truth and the reality of who God is, to, to zone out some of the static in life Creating boundaries and making space helps us to turn down the volume on some of those voices. For the average American, a lot of this has to do with screen time. Screen time being phones, video games, TV, laptop, computers. Uh, there was a poll done of U.S. high school students, and the poll asked, what is the number one thing that you wish your parents would do to improve family life. You know what the teenager said? I wish my parents would put their phone away. It might have been slightly hypocritical of many of these kids, but wish that my parents would put the phone down. I'm not anti-technology. I like my iPhone. We have Netflix. I enjoy watching TV. 
But it's entertainment, and entertainment is a quick fix. It's not deeply satisfying. Uh, being with friends, being outside in the sun, uh, being creative or artistic, these things are deeply satisfying. And putting up some boundaries says, I believe that God has better things for me. These guardrails help guard our time so that we spend our time in the ways that we ultimately want to. Our passage in Colossians ends with verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or in action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Doing something in the name of Jesus means representing Jesus and also being empowered by Jesus. I think this last verse is really a summary of the whole passage here. So we've seen in this passage that we receive the gift of God's love, Jesus' life for us, and that then we live in God's love. Um, we pour out the love that we have received. As God's chosen people, we are to clothe ourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, to bear with each other, forgiving one another, and to put on over all these virtues love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. Kindness is our attitude towards others. Humility is our attitude towards ourselves. Gentleness is our approach to others, and patience is our reaction to others. And it's bound together in love that we receive from God, and then we turn out to others. And we do this in the context of everything. Whatever we do, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us his love so that we can pour it out on others. The ethical commands are all based on this receiving Jesus' love and then turning it out on other people. And when we have cultivated a sense of God's splendor and of his greatness, when we have cared for our souls, then we can really live doing everything, representing Jesus and being empowered by Jesus. So what does it look like? What does it look like at Christmas to really do everything for and with Jesus. I have no idea. Let's pick, let's pick a smaller unit to work with. <coughs> what does it look like to go grocery shopping with Jesus? Now, Kevin may be the one to ask about this since grocery shopping is his thing. But I'd suggest that it means, first and foremost, being intentional and saying, I can do everything, whether in word or in action, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And saying as, as you drive to the store, um, I'm empowered by the Spirit of God in this store. Thank you, Jesus, for providing for me. Thank you for the abundance in this grocery store, noticing the variety and the abundance. 
I think there are ways to live out the ethical commands of this passage. Uh, there are ways to live out the ethical commands of this passage in the parking lot to practice patience and forgiveness. These are Massachusetts drivers. You all know what I'm talking about. Before we even enter the store. <coughs> ah, little kid germs. They seem so little and cute and they sneeze. And it's just like, achoo. And you think, it can't be that bad. But then as we go through the aisles, what we put in our cart, we know that there are products that uh, are exploitative to, to workers, the environment, cruel to animals. We spend money uh, reflecting our, our values as we go to the checkout line, uh, interact with uh, the person who's holding up the checkout line, interact with the cashier. There are many ways that all these virtues are bound up and encapsulated in love and that we can show love even in the grocery store. Now, do I usually do this? Well, no, actually, I make the, the shopping list and then Stephen goes shopping. So we have a nicely diffused responsibility here. So if there's something missing, it's like a 50-50 chance of whose fault it is. Oh, it's usually your fault. Wow, that's so nice of you to say. <laughs> So if I'm running into the grocery store, it's just to pick up one item, go in and out, and I'm not being intentional about practicing the near presence of God. There are other areas, I think, where I do much better at this, where I've been intentional about cultivating this. Um, driving, I've been intentional about noticing the good things, the beauty of, of the sun as, as I'm driving, about taking that time and that space to be present to the Spirit of God. As I'm teaching, um, as I'm talking to people, I have an easier time in those things. As we come to the holiday season, there are no actions of our life that are throwaway. There's no money that's not spent towards something, no conversation that doesn't have some effect on the other person. As we come to the holiday season, what we do matters because how we spend our days is how we spend our life. Here and now is where we meet with Jesus. And I really want to meet with Jesus. Here and now, whether that's, you know, as a stay-at-home mom cooped up with your kids, whether that's by yourself in a cubicle, whether it's at the gym or the grocery store or in the hospital. One author said, God has yet to bless anyone except where they are. God wants you to receive and to give out his love. Uh, as we end, worship team, uh, if you want to come uh, back up, I want us to do a little exercise. I want you to think of one thing you have to do this week. One thing on your to-do list. I realize for many of you, uh, it's kind of like eeny, meeny, miny, mo. We've got so many choices here. But one thing that's uh, weighing on your mind, a meeting, a conversation, a task, what would it look like to do that in the name of Jesus? What would it look like to do 
that thing with and for Jesus? What would you do differently? How would you feel doing it with and for Jesus? What would God like say to you as you did that meeting or, or that task? Being intentionally aware of God being with you in that moment. I think this is what God wants. He wants to do life with us. There's not an area of our life that God says, oh, fine, I don't care about that. Do that by yourself. He wants to do every part of life with us, and it's good. So I encourage you as you go through the next month to be on the lookout, looking for ways to do everything, whether in word or in action, in the name of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that your care for us extends to every area of our life, that you care about our families. In the holiday season, you care about our relationships. You care about our, our finances. You love us as we are stressed out. You love us as, as we're cleaning you say that we are beautiful, that we are dearly loved, that we are chosen holy people who you died for and you want to empower with your Holy Spirit. We receive your love and your care in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>